It's episode 6 of the Desert League coming up next. Follow us on iTunes at Desert League. Download the Anchor app, anchor.fm. Ask us a question. Episode 6 of the Desert League coming up next. Well, here it is. Episode six of the Desert League. You thought we were done, but we're not. We made it to episode six. We just survived week two. I think it was week two of the season. And no, week three. Week oh three. Gosh. Week three. Somehow the Arizona Wildcats got a win. Well, they were playing UTEP. And uh, Sean, I mean that spin move. Tell me more. I. I I, I I already anticipated how you were going to open. I I this is my opening statement. I refuse to get excited. I refuse to. I refuse. But get excited I, about I, the spin move. That was straight out of PlayStation. Hit the B button. Touchdown. Yeah. And that you know th- those are impressive when you've got uh, you know you know those clips they show when the NFL players go and play with a bunch of little elementary school kids. It's like you know that's you know that's cool too. It's kind of you know it's kind of sweet. But uh, I hey you know Shun Brown is got mad skills. He's already demonstrating it. I love the fact that you know. We got some good PR on SportsCenter. Got a little, you know, top ten love there on on uh, top plays. So yep, yep. that's that, that's all that's all good PR. Um, no reason to get excited quite yet because oh, come on. I mean, Touchdown, what I'm found Sean Brown that was legit, Sean. <laughs> we got to get excited because hey. we might not get another win all season. So let's be excited. Hey, Barrett, and, and I will clarify because I've had to train myself on this. Being uh, being someone named Sean, it is in fact Shun Brown, and I oh. keep having to correct myself from saying Sean oh, Brown too. Thank you. You were <laughs> shunning me there. I've got it. Yes. No. No. I, I, I'm only saying I'm only saying that because I have a long history of uh, of interesting uh, pronunciations related to my name. Everything from. Seen McLaughlin, the weatherman up in yeah. Phoenix, who I I don't understand why he did that to people named Shun. So, uh, but no, he he is. I mean, he's the real deal. There are a lot of things to be excited about. You know, six touchdowns from Brandon Dawkins. Good for you, man. Three on the ground, three in the air. It's like yep. okay, preseason preseason is over. You know, we went two and one in the preseason. We got hopefully got the kinks out against uh, Houston and. You know, it's nice to see Nick Wilson and J.J. Taylor in the backfield at the same time. Nice to see Rich Rod getting creative and kind of, you know, using his weapons. And yeah. I will be, I will be ecstatic next week if we're talking and we're one and zero in the Pac-12. Then I will, I will be excited. I will be all, all on with uh, talking about Wildcat football. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So the Utes are coming. Utes are three and zero. Utes look good. Yep. Utes have a nice young quarterback, and it's like, hey, Rich Rod, you're in year six, and you can't get a guy like the Utes got. This guy can throw under control. He can run. He's great. And like, where was it? Where was that? Like, why can't you well, find that guy? Why can't you find well, that guy? If 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 you believe all the hype after. Uh... You know, after the little UTEP road trip, uh, maybe we found our guy, and you know, this is a good opportunity for, for Brandon to to, to yeah. show what he's got. And you know, the and the the star uh, the star beat writer made a good point um, in in looking at the game plan for UTEP. You know, saying you know they got Dawkins into some timed um, you know some timed passing plays early, so he yeah, could get a did. rhythm. That was nice. That was nice. And, you know, it's like get some more really easy throws. That was good. Yeah, yeah, just get him, you know, get him some practice. But, you know, Utah is literally going to be a different ball game. I mean, it's interesting looking at the score comparisons. We've got Utah. Utah beat, uh, was it San Jose State, 63, no, no, 54 to 16. And Mm -hmm. we, we beat UTEP 63 to 16. So we're coming off similar weeks. Yeah, we and, can just throw uh, those cupcakes out. 
Yeah, and and we could easily have another fifty-four to sixteen game uh, this Friday, and we could be on the losing end of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's <laughs> a know. scary time, right? We're two and one, so that means that our winning percentage is six six six, which isn't a good number. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. So we're looking at like our scoring, our scoring rank is uh, you know it's pretty good. It's like. 47th nationally or, or no, that's like our average score timeout. That's our average score. 47 <laughs> points a game. So we're 11th nationally. Of course we've been eating cupcakes and, uh, and Utah is 36 a game. They're 41. Uh, but here's, what's interesting. Their defense is pretty good. Um, it's all going to come down to, can they stop the run? Because if they can stop the run, just like Houston showed, we're going to have a hard right. time. So. Well, and they have and they have a defensive line, you know, that by all indications are and if I'm game planning the Wildcats, I'm stacking the line. I'm like, okay, yeah. Brandon, you know, it, it pr- prove you can do that again because the first time you go to pass, we are all out blitzing you and we yeah. dare you to make a completion, you know? Yeah. I agree. I mean, you're going to see a steady diet of that. There was this one play against uh UTEP where Brandon rolls right, and the play blows up. But because he's playing against the junior high kids, he was able to reverse fields and just outrun them to the opposite pylon. That's not going to happen right. in Utah. It's going to be a 20-yard loss. Exactly, exactly. And and the thing is, is now he, he's been around the block. He knows he's not going to be able to get away with that. But, you know, yeah. that that's actually where I, I really, really like I mean, a couple of the wrinkles that they had in, in the offense against UTEP. One is love having having Nick Wilson and J.J. Taylor in the backfield at the same time. I think it gives Rich Rod a lot of misdirection, a lot of creative ideas, not to mention the fact that you essentially then have three running backs back there. And if Dawkins, Dawkins doesn't even need to throw for 200 yards or even 150 or, you know, even – dare I say a hundred yards, if he can, if he can just throw enough to keep them honest, you know, to where if they're, if they stack the line, if they come after him, he can get a short pass over there to shun Brown or, you know, uh, get, you know, get the tight end involved um, the way they did last week. Oh, the tight end action was impressive. I loved it. Like where's that six seasons? Well, and, that, and that's a constant thing we always hear from fans, Arizona fans, is, what about the tight end? What about the tight end? And I think even when we had Gronkowski, people were complaining we weren't throwing to the tight end enough. But, um, but you know, if if they have a game plan, if the Wildcats have a game plan to even get some very short passes, you know, short and medium range passes to keep that defensive line honest, then, and, you know, you keep working that Wilson-Taylor uh, Dawkins, you know, triple-headed monster there, then the Wildcats can, can run all day. Yeah, and, and if they run all day, they'll win because surprisingly, on the other side of the ball, we're seeing some good things, which brings me to a call. We actually got a call, so if anyone wants to call in and ask questions, they can. You just need to grab the Anchor app. You go to Desert League, and then you can ask a question in the Anchor app, and then we'll play it online and give you our analysis. So we've got yeah, Bryce. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna, I just I was just gonna add to that and say our commitment is we will answer every call that we get. Yep, we will. Scary. I know, I'm being crazy. Said that, Sean. Scary. <laughs> All right, that just opened up Pandora's box. All right, but we did get a call from Bryce, so I'm gonna play it now and then we'll uh, we'll reply. So here's uh, here's Bryce's question. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was calling to ask if Rich Rod thinks that defense is optional. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so there it is. Well, I, I, I'm i not quite sure what to even say. Well, Sean, come on. We're committed to answering every single <laughs> question. Well, no, my, I, I, I'm going to answer Bryce's question with a question of my own. Um, Bryce, what season are you watching? Come on, yeah. man. It's like, yeah. you can't, 
you can't ask for the defense to do anything more than it's done the last two games. And I will give you because I'm making the whole argument that you know these are nobody teams. But man, if we're gonna if we're gonna bag on the cats, it's like we gotta we gotta give them credit when they're when they're doing things right. And these these freshmen are stepping up, and they're that you know that defense is the biggest improvement we've had from last year. I agree. This this defense is looking super solid. And when then you think that there's ten freshmen playing on that defense. These guys are working a miracle. I mean, Pac-12 is going to be a whole different ball game, but I love what I see early. And there's just a lot of, just a lot of solid tackling, which is something you don't usually see uh, from Arizona. So I'm feeling cautiously optimistic that we're going to be in games because these young, young guys are putting it all on the line out there and playing very well. And it's a good so, team, so, too. Yeah, so, so we'll make this deal with Bryce because, you know, as I said, I want to make sure I'm not being a hypocrite. Because the real season starts this week. Let's 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 save Bryce's uh, uh, recording, and if it's applicable next week, then we can play it again and respond to it seriously. Yep. 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 That sounds good. You know, I, I had another. I had an email that I got, and the email came in right at the beginning of the second quarter of the game. And you know, in the first quarter, it was tied zero zero. And I'm sure there were some Arizona fans who thought the sky was falling. Um, and in the second quarter, you know, we scored, they scored. It, we were only up seven. And mm-hmm. the email, the short little email I got was, up seven to a community college. You guys look good. Well, <laughs> the only thing I'm going to say to that is by the end of the second quarter, we were up 35. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, well, we scored thirty five. I don't think we're up thirty five, but we scored thirty five. Yeah, well, and it, you know, and it it just shows you that once you know, once Arizona gets rolling, you know, they can just pile it on. But you know, the the question is going to be, and I, you know, it's great. I think uh, Brandon Dawkins has deserved all the accolades, and you know, all the all the players, you know, all of his teammates really pointed to his demeanor and his preparedness and. You know, he really felt he, – he really took it personally, you know, uh, losing to Houston. He felt responsible, and he stepped up, and he was a leader. And everybody was saying, you know, they saw that in practice. They saw that, you know, his footwork improved. Uh, he demonstrated. He basically said, you know, just climb on my back. I'm, we're going to do it in the air. We're going to do it on the ground, 6 TD, you know, Dawkins. But I'll tell you what, the next level of maturity is when it is crunch time – you know, in that game against Utah, and it will be close in the fourth quarter. What does he do in the clutch? Does he hit, right. you know, that 10 yard rollout pass that he needs for that first down in order to keep the drive alive? And that's, you know, that's what the D1, you know, team leaders, especially in the Pac 12 conference, have to do. If, if, he, if he hasn't completed a single pass all day and he has 100-plus yards rushing and the Cats are in it, it's a low-scoring, frustrating day, the moment that they really need him is that one play, you know, to hit that wide-open receiver or even hit a receiver who, you know, or you know, even just make a big play in that moment, and that will be his coming-out party. I love it. Totally agree. Well – we do need to spend about 30 seconds on ASU football. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> they play Texas Tech, and, yeah, um, Texas Tech beat them, uh, 52-45. You know, I, I'm not going to give out the player's name. We're going to just let that go. But after the game, the ASU defender, it was sitting in the press conference, and the quote is, Texas Tech's offense, quote, isn't that good, unquote. This is after giving up 52 points and over 600 yards of offense to them. Well, and what, what, that, what that says is, okay, what is your commentary about yourself and your own, your own teammates? You know, because if yeah. they're not that good, then how bad are you? And, right. Uh, right. Uh, amen. So here's another quote from the press conference. This one was from uh, Todd Graham Cracker. He said that, quote, our guys felt like they were going to win that football game, unquote. It's like if they really thought that, 
then that one little replay that keeps going on on Twitter all the time about the guy who just jumps around four guys who don't even bother to dive and try to tackle him. I don't think those guys thought they were going to win. I think they'd already given up. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Well, um, now, now, now the talk is, can, can Graham make it through the season? Well, and, you know, Wildcat, fan, so. Wildcat fans have been there, you know, we've been there before with Stoops, you know, yeah. where the morale and the, and the confidence just goes completely to zero and you just can't, you just can't triage. Right. And that's what I see because, I mean, I'm just going to read this off to you like a bad series of, of, of episodes. I'm just going to read this off to you. L, 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 W, L, L. That's the last nine games for ASU. Wow. It's over. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is soups all over again. I think the players are giving up, and uh, and yeah, he's gone. Well, he's gone. and then and then the the Sun Devils have Oregon uh, to open yeah. the conference, so Didn't that's. I I, I I I think the only the only thing that would even provide a little ray of light is if the Sun Devils can actually pull off an upset against right. Oregon. Right, and honestly, as a Cats fan. You want Todd Graham to do that. You want oh, him to be just good enough that he sits there forever. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's over. I think this is his last season. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's it's interesting because yeah, the only the uh, the only fans suffering more than Arizona fans right now are the Arizona State fans. And uh... <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, sorry. No, I shouldn't that and just everything you hear out of that program right now, you hear it and you're like, You guys are really in trouble. Like that was uh I was following the Sun Devils, uh at the Sun Devils, it's a Twitter account for ASU Athletics and they you know, they were trying to get excited earlier in the game and they're like call him the librarian because Kalen Ballads just silenced the crowd here in Lubbock and I'm like Call him the librarian. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, okay. That's, that's quite a reach. That's quite a reach. And I, I'm trying to be careful not to have too much uh, Schadenfreude um, as a you know as a Wildcat fan because uh, you know we could have people leaving us uh, voicemail bombs after Utah going oh yeah oh you yeah think? <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. It's I'm like... ready. I'm ready for that. I'm ready. And honestly, ASU, U of A could both get pummeled by about 50 this weekend. We know that. Oh, oh yeah. But okay, can I? I I'm gonna I'm gonna change topics here because I think we, we we spent more than our, our promised 30 seconds on ASU football. But uh, I, I I I think it was it was a nice uh, gesture on both our parts. But okay, it's it's you know mid getting to late September in Tucson and Phoenix, temperatures still triple digits out here. It's not, it's not football weather. It's still baseball weather. And the team that I'm excited about is the Diamondbacks. I'm actually, and I've, I've been excited about the D-backs all year. So I'm not jumping on the bandwagon here at the end, but you know, it still feels like summer. It still tastes like summer. I can still go jump in the pool. So I'm excited that, you know, we've, we've come out with a winning record, uh, you know, two and one in the preseason of college football. You know, football will, the you know, the, the cactus needles will turn in a couple weeks and we'll have fall. But right now the boys of summer are still raining and the D-backs have the best – uh, starting rotation in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention JD Martinez cracked his 40th home run on Sunday against the Giants. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we know the D backs are not going to uh, catch the Dodgers, but they're on the upswing at the, at the right time with the, you know, with the Dodgers on the downswing. And yep. it's looking more and more like October 4th is that magic day. And the the knock on that one you know that one game playoff, and I was 
I was doing like a, a a buddy of mine is getting married, so he had like a bachelor party party bus thing that I rode along with over the weekend, and everybody was talking about the Diamondbacks. And one one guy that uh, I like to watch baseball with was was really kind of knocking the you know the one game playoff system as okay, well then you you know if you go with your best pitcher then you've lost that for whoever you're playing in the playoffs. And my response was, well, A, that's, you know, the purpose of the wild card is not to have everybody on an even keel. It's to reward the the teams that have, you know, like the Dodgers who've done their business during the regular season. So you're supposed to come into that playoff game at a disadvantage, but with a five man rotation, the way the D backs do, Hey, we can, we can go with our ACE against Colorado and basically give it all our all and know that we're not going to have a drop-off against the Dodgers in the rotation because you don't even need a five-man rotation in these, in these playoff series. Yeah, great analysis. Totally agree. But you've got to line up Granke for that one-game season. Well, yeah. Against the yeah, yeah. yeah, in fact, you've got, to, yeah, you've got to make sure you've got this whole thing. And obviously, you know, they're a lot better at this than we are, I'm sure. I'm sure they're lining it up so that it's like, it's a one game season and, and you know, the guy who was going off about, they should at least make it a three game series. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more, the more I like this one, this one game wildcard playoff, you know, format, because it's the closest thing to a Super Bowl environment that you're going to get in baseball. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the stadium's going to be electric and it's looking very likely like it will be in Phoenix. Very yeah, exciting. yeah, and it, I don't, I don't think the Rockies can catch the Diamondbacks. Well, knock on wood, but um, but it, it's looking more and more like that October fourth showdown. You know, as as the cactus needles start to turn, you know, in the fall, we'll be uh, we'll be there in the Valley of the Sun, and uh, it'll be a Super Bowl atmosphere, and hopefully that stadium will be filled. Oh yeah, it'll be filled, and really. I love uh, I love the just the even keel demeanor of uh, our manager of Lavulo. Yeah. I think he he's the right guy for the job. He's going to have them locked in, and they're going to play their best baseball when it counts in the postseason. Well, yeah, and look at look at the uh, you know there, there's a certain parity in demeanors if you look at our you know, our ex wildcat, um, Terry Francona, who we're proud of over on the Cleveland side, you know, breaking records with, uh, with the consecutive game win streak, but he also is a low key guy, you know, just knows how to, how to cultivate the right environment and how to let guys just do what they need to do to get the, get the business done, you know? I really have nothing more to say other than bring it October 4th. D-backs are ready yeah. to go. It's going to be an awesome game. Yeah, well, you know, D-backs are uh, playing the Padres in, in a series, and hopefully, you know, they'll keep the eye on the prize and and take care of, you know, a team that's not that's struggling this year. So, uh, hopefully, those should be some easy Ws and just keep that, you know, just keep that momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's switch over to the Suns for a minute. The uh, Suns. <laughs> no, and- not the Suns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Suns out, guns out. Sean, come on. Okay. We need to get on the Suns train one of these days. I know. I should. I should be more diligent about the Suns. And but, but I, I. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. Please continue with the Suns. Come on, Sean. Did you know that the Suns? If the Suns wanted to, although I do believe they are committed to player development. But if the Suns wanted to, they could design a uh, an offense this year that allows Devin Booker to win the NBA scoring title. He's that good. He could do it, but I don't think that's the right move. I'm just throwing it out there that that is an option. But the reason I wanted to bring up the Suns is that uh, Nike and the Suns showed off two more jerseys. Oh. And uh, – Unfortunately, that crazy rocket 3D crappy type is yeah. still there. In the so there's an there's another jersey. It's black. It says PHX, 
and the PHX is in the Total Rockets 3D action. But maybe it's because it's just three big letters. It doesn't bother me as much. I think that it's the best of the jerseys. Um, it's 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 decent enough. And when Devin Booker's wearing it and dropping 40 to 60 points on people, I think that jersey will look really good. So I'm just going to say that, that if I get a Suns jersey, that's the one I'll probably get. The other thing is Nike's come up with this uh, Nike Connect thing, which is uh, it's an NFC – uh, tag that's on the uh, near field communications tag that's on the bottom of the jersey and then there's a, a Nike Connect app and when you tap your phone to the label of the jersey it gives you like insider content on that player and on the team. I think that's an interesting way to connect with the player and with the team through the jersey. You have to have the jersey to be able to access this content. And see, I'm to see how that goes. See, you you have you have succeeded at accomplishing the impossible. You have gotten me interested in the Suns conversation. There we go. So, because you know we've been having these NFC discussions on our consulting side with Draw Backwards, and and uh, the fact that you know now with um, with Apple um, opening up NFC technology within the within iOS 11. It's it's basically opening up this technology that's been available for Android phones now to iPhones, and you're going to see a lot more of this NFC technology. And so you just dropped some knowledge on me that made me go, hmm, as the old song would say. And I you go, hmm. Yeah, that's a thing that makes you go, hmm, because that that's pretty dang creative. Is, is that a Suns exclusive feature, or is that something no, it's that they're implementing? Nice it's a Nike thing. So Nike signed a, uh, I believe it's a billion dollar contract with the NBA to provide all of the design for all the jerseys over the next nine or 10 years. And part of it is this Nike connect technology. And so it goes further than this. Like I think there's a ton of potential because they, they worked this other thing out, which one of the coolest features is if you have NBA 2k 18, which is the best basketball video game out there, um, for like a PlayStation or Xbox, you can tap your tag. You can get your, let's say you have the Devin Booker jersey. You get a code that you can then put into NBA 2K18 to your Devin Booker player, and it actually increases the performance of Devin Booker in that game with that code. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Well, and, you know, here here's where these things have a ripple effect because – you know, the NFC technology is essentially a replacement for, um, uh, you know, the uh, the infrared readers, uh, that, that, uh, the QR codes that uh, people have been trying to use for marketing for ages, but nobody uses it because you have to download a separate app specifically for that. But right. with NFC, basically all you're doing is unlocking the same technology that will allow you to do quick pay, you know, allow you to go to Starbucks and just, you know, scan and go. And if you have an incentive like that, the more things that unlock the same technology, the more opportunities there are for other businesses, other people, say, like an industry that's near and dear to my heart, newspapers, you know, to be able to unlock that technology and use it instead of trying to force people to to use something that they want them to use. So, that um, that's going to be really interesting to watch, not just for sports, but for the impact it will have on business and and marketing. Absolutely, you know, I love the marketing possibilities. Like, let's just say that Nike and the NBA, and let's say the Cavs and LeBron, they're trying to understand where's LeBron's influence and where's his fan base, and they can go to the database, right? Any any NFC check-in, they're logging that. They know where it's where it's at. They know who's doing it, and they can say, oh, I wonder how many LeBron fans just checked in from Beijing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, tailor to that. Absolutely, and it opens up a whole bunch of verticals to sports, whether it's restaurants, whether it's, uh, you know, bars, you know, any anything that is adjacent to that suddenly becomes an opportunity to, to leverage that technology in different ways. And, and the NFC, um, you know, the NFC data – cards you know that this information resides on that triggers the phone 
is is really inexpensive compared to other technologies out there. So it could that could have a huge impact across the board. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking what if, you know, Devin Booker wants to say thank you to the fans that bought his jersey. He could shoot a little video and then upload it to this Nike Connect app and then anyone who's bought his jersey when they sign in, they're going to see a personal, you know, message from Devin Booker saying, "Hey, thanks for buying my jersey." Well, absolutely. And and me thinking from my sports marketing background, the the ubiquitous promotions of you know when somebody when when the team scores a certain you know number of points everybody gets a taco i mean you could take that next level you know when when devin booker drops uh you know drops 30 points everybody who has that jersey you know gets a gets an nfc you know gets it unlocked so that they get a free taco at taco bell yeah that's i know it's great so so let's talk about the potential da- downsides to this Um, one is you've got to have a pretty high-end phone. So it looks like you need to have an iPhone 7 or above, and you're going to need an Android device that has NFC capability. You're going to need to buy one of these jerseys. These jerseys aren't cheap. I think they're anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks. Uh, I know that they're released this month at the end of the month on September 29th. So that's when people get their first taste of an authentic, NBA jersey with Nike Connect. You mean you mean I could get one of those with my Kawhi Leonard uh, jersey? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, and you can see him sitting there in rehab playing solitaire. Oh, okay, dirty play. Just back on record, Golden Maybe State. Maybe will hob- hobble in with his locker and see how it's going and do a cameo for you. Hey, hey, there you know, you know the the Futurama episodes where they just, you know, they they extend the lives of people just by putting the heads in cases in liquid. That yeah. that's what they're going to do with Pops is is even after he's lived beyond his mortal life, they're just going to have him in one of those Futurama things and he will be he will be head coach on the sidelines in one of those little uh, bubble cases. <laughs> yeah, but it, and I would say that one of the other downsides on this NFC technology is certainly the privacy implications. But you know, the great thing is that Equifax took care of that for all of us. You know, just a week or so ago, by by giving all of our personal information to everybody. So uh, we don't really have to we don't have to worry about privacy anymore. It's all gone. <laughs> it certainly feels that way sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears again. I'd like to talk about Arizona Hoops, the University of Arizona Wildcat Hoops. Um, cats are coming in highly regarded. They were kind of the consensus number one, and then Duke picked up Marvin Bagley, and so now there's this split in the media and in, with coaches. Who's really number one? Is it Duke? Is it Arizona? But uh, more and more people are kind of backing off the Marvin Bagley hype, and they're like, really? Am I? I mean, if I had to trust one team to win a championship, would it be Grayson Allen <laughs> and uh, Marvin Bagley, or would it be just all this incredible talent that Sean Miller's piled up? Uh, I, I'd take Sean Miller. And the other thing is I like Sean Miller against Duke because he wins. He beats Duke. I like that. Yeah, and I think it's it's a classic case of – and, you know, hats off to Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, he's been going – you know, going so long, but it's, it's now a, an alternate case of, um, you know, a youth of one program. And, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to say the decline of the other one, but you know, the, the fact that the other program is just, you know, Krzyzewski has been doing this for a long time. And in Sean Miller, you've got the young, you know, the young, hot, fresh upstart kind of yeah. coming in and, and really locking it in and dialing, you know, dialing it um, down. And, you yeah. know, I mean, Sean Miller is hungry. I mean, this guy, I'm just thinking about today. Today, he's on the East Coast. He's seeing Nasir Little from Florida. Then he's going somewhere else in Florida. He's having an in-home with this guy because he fits the profile. He doesn't care where this kid is. He's all the way over there in Florida right now making that happen because he's a prototype Sean Miller kind of guy. Like, Sean Miller will go to the ends of the earth, Laurie Markkinen, to find the right guy to fit in the right 
thing to get this done. Like Sean Miller is going to get it done just from sheer will. Absolutely. And the, the piece of Sean Miller news I was most excited to, to read about this past week was basically, you know, his quotes about how, you know, basically the Miller family considers Tucson their home and, you know, not expressing any interest in going anywhere else to coach, you know, not interested in the pit job. And, and you tend to believe it because, you know, they're, they're taking care of him and he's getting the opportunities that, you know, he's getting the, uh, the support and, uh, you know, all the yeah. things necessary. So this is not a stepping stone for him somewhere else. This is a destination. Yeah. There's only two schools in the country that worry me. And I still think if he really sat back and thought about it, he wouldn't go to either of them. The two schools that worry me are North Carolina and Kentucky. With Kentucky, he's got a good relationship. You know, if Calipari decides to hang it up, I I could see him recommending Miller. It'd be tough to say no. But honestly, Miller's doing everything he wants to do. He's getting all his guys. I don't know that the Kentucky brand is going to add that much more to what he's getting now. North Carolina, you know, it's Eastern Seaboard, great recruiting possibilities, but you're also fighting against all those other schools for the same guys. I just think Sean Miller gets to feast on the West Coast. He just takes what he wants. I just think he's not going anywhere. If he really sits down and thinks about it, I don't think he goes anywhere. I do think he needs to win – he needs to get to a Final Four and win a championship to prove it to himself. But once he's done that, there's no need to go anywhere. His legacy is secure. Yeah, and I think that um, well, one of the things that one of the things I love about Sean Miller, I mean, aside from the fact that he, you know, everything that he does demonstrates that you know he cares about his kids, he cares about the program, he cares about you know how he wins. And, you know, the legacy, you know, embracing the Ludolson legacy and, and the players, et cetera. But the fact that he has an ego, and I love the fact that he has an ego because he is literally getting the opportunity to, to mold the Arizona legacy into something that has his vision. He's not locked into the, the baggage of, okay, this is how Lute Olson used to do things. Or, you know, it, when, if you're in Kentucky, you're in North Carolina, you're standing in some really big shadows. And obviously with Lute, you're, you're standing in a big shadow, but you're not standing in kind of all of, these, all of these giants lined up, you know. And you basically have an opportunity to continue, you know, doing what you're doing in, in, a, in a place that you can say, you know, you've made your own. Yep. Yeah, and really, Sean Miller is synonymous with Arizona basketball. I think it's already in play. He's just got to get to that Final Four and that championship to to put the icing on the cake. But uh, I just have no doubt that he'll do it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, and I just you know I I I just hate especially after you know having worked within the U of A athletics department for so many years, both, you know, as full, you know, student full-time employee, um, you know, now just tangential, you know, working events and whatnot is when, when fans, you know, get down on coaches, I'm not saying that they don't deserve pressure because they're, they're getting millions of dollars. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like they're going to be out on the street starving or anything like that, but, but they really take pride in this stuff. And so, you know, when we get to the tournament and then Arizona fans, and I, I understand national media, national fans trying to bring that up. Oh, you haven't been to a final four, things like that. But when your own fans are starting to kind of get, get on that, it, it just really doesn't help, you know? And so I, I hope that everybody just continues to appreciate that we're always, and how hard it is to get to a final four, especially in a single elimination tournament. You know, it would be one thing if it was a best of three series or best of any series as you, when you get into March Madness. But the fact that he has not made it to the Final Four is not indicative of, you know, his quality as a coach or that he can't get the big one done. It really is a matter of time for the most part. You know, you just have to be at a place long enough. I mean, look at, look at uh, you know, 
how how long uh, Roy Williams was getting bagged on when he was at Kansas, you know, for not getting Kansas to the next level. So, you know, you just don't want to be so hard on a guy that uh, that that's going to taint all the good things that they're doing. <laughs> I agree. That That is great insight. I love your insider feel from the inside the walls of McHale. Yeah. Well, I I love your perspective on, uh, you know, just, just kind of that deep knowledge about, uh, you know, the things going on around the program. Oh man. I mean, I am so impressed. First off, Romar, what a coup that Sean Miller (laughs) convinced, you know, the Dean of PAC 12 hoops to come and be an assistant when when Romar and Miller roll into the same family room of a kid, you cannot help but sit up and listen to these guys. You know? Absolutely. But Miller and Romar, the kind of guys they've put into the league, as long as they've coached and what they've accomplished, I mean, that is, that is exciting, I think, for any family or player to witness. Now, look at this. Look at this. Not only do we have the number one recruiting class that's going to play, this season in like a couple months for Arizona, we're already ranked number one for the next class for 2018. So we've got Shaq's kid, Sharif coming. We've got Brandon Williams coming. Great five-star point guard. We might have Bull Bull. I, you just wanted to say Bull Bull. I know Bull you Bull. just wanted Bull to Bull. say that. Bull Bull. <laughs> you got Bull Bull coming. I mean, he's red. I think Bobo's coming for red and blue. I think Nasir Little's coming for red and blue. And that's one of the best experiences any player, potential player at Arizona could have, is to see the legacy of Arizona in full pageantry when you've got a sold-out Mecca, a.k.a. McHale Center, for a scrimmage. And it's sold yeah. out. Yeah. And you're seeing well, the dunk contest and the red and blue and the camaraderie and the alumni showing up. You know, I mean, you've got – think about it. You've got Richard Zefferson showing up. You've got Steve Kerr. you got Iguodala. All they're doing is, like, just doing cheers and clanking their world championship trophies side by side next to each other. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and, and you touched on a point earlier that I think is, is worth mentioning. And, and I think we also touched on it when we were talking about you know, Francona with Cleveland and the Diamondbacks and, and the whole management style, it, it really seems like, and, and, it, and it's very understandable kind of in this day and age that the ego-driven success of like one singular personality is, is a relic of the past because the teams that are successful and the people who are successful are the ones who are collaborators who leverage the power of their network. So your Lorenzo Romar example is a perfect one, which is, hey, this really is a team because you've had so uh, such a legacy throughout all of sports that one personality or one guy is going to be the, the key to success. And you're going to have a lot more power in you know a Sean Miller type of environment where he's like, hey, I'm not threatened by the fact that, you know, I'm bringing on as an assistant a guy who could take my job tomorrow. You know, I'm just saying that many coaches would feel threatened by the fact that a Lorenzo Romar, you know, is on their staff. Yeah, ninety percent wow. of the NCAA Division One coaches, maybe ninety-five percent, would never do what Sean Miller did. Absolutely, but and Miller has extreme confidence in who he is and what his program is, and the part that Romar can play in the program. It's amazing, and he. Yeah, and 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 it it really says a lot about um, about how they you know treat each other as peers and how they respect one another. You know that Romar, who you know deserves all of the respect of a head coach, would essentially take a back seat. And you know, and Arizona has the advantage of you know two of the best Pac-12 head coaches you know on the same bench. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, UCLA's trotting out Steve Alford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, aside from some of the, the, the personal slights and the, the poor sportsmanship, I mean, I think Alford's been, you know, been good for UCLA, but, 
but the, but there you get right into that whole ego thing, you know. You're, you're and and you're not seeing UCLA projected. Uh, you know the, the the hype for Pac-12 basketball season, um, aside from Arizona, is about USC, not yeah. UCLA. Right. USC is going to be dangerous, very dangerous. Tough. Team, well, probably a top ten team. Very. Dangerous. Yeah. Absolutely, and it'll be it'll be fun to see you know competitive uh, games against uh, against USC again, you know. Yep, absolutely. Well, I have a theory, Sean. I just want to I want to get your take. And we've never I don't think we've really ever talked about these guys on our podcast before, but I think it's time that we at least acknowledge them and and let them know that we might talk about them in the future. But my theory is that the very best football team in the state of Arizona right now might be the Phoenix Rising USL soccer team. Okay. Enlighten Think me. about it. Think about it. You get the Cardinals laying eggs. They did win, but they really tried hard to lose. Arizona oh. and Arizona State not <laughs> yeah. doing good. Meanwhile, you've got this USL team, I mean, obviously we're looking to get MLS here, and they've got a whole plan to get there. But this Phoenix Rising team, they've got, they've got former stars from Europe. They're playing exciting games. They're winning games in their league. They're playing the best defense in their league. They just beat this weekend the top team in their league. And if you want to go and watch exciting football – I think that the European football, the Phoenix Rising, might be the most entertaining game in town. Hey, I I am ready to jump on a, and I'm not even going to say a, um, a, a a classic football team, if you will, the original football team. I, I would I would love to have you know something like that to root for because I will tell you, I spent the first part of the Arizona Cardinals game. Um, catching up on Arizona Wildcat football stories and, you know, turned it off at halftime. Or actually, I turned it off after the one-yard uh, incompletion on, from, from the one-yard line uh, to, to Fitzgerald and pretty <laughs> much assumed, assumed that Arizona had lost the game, didn't even watch the second half. Was happy when I saw they won, but that football was so bad. Anybody who complains about how slow and boring – traditional football soccer is um, has nothing on that Cardinals game last Sunday because you cannot, you cannot say that was more interesting than a soccer game. And I I happen to find soccer games interesting. So I am all on board with that. Yep. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with the, with the Phoenix rising with the USL. They've got that temporary stadium uh, just the, just north of the 202, they have room to expand to a full MLS stadium. They have the financing and everything figured out for that. They just need to get approval to be an MLS franchise. There are some other uh, other cities and teams that are lined up pretty well to get those franchises. It might take a couple rounds before Phoenix gets it. You've got cities like St. Louis and Nashville that have some pretty strong uh, minor league uh, fan bases and programs that are looking to go MLS. I know that Tampa Bay is also – looking to go MLS along with Phoenix. But Phoenix is the fifth largest, um, you know, metro area. We do have a great fan base, and I think we might be a great market for the MLS. So uh, we'll see where that goes in the future. Sean, anything else that you want to cover on Episode 6 of the Desert League today? Well, I I briefly toyed with the thought of talking about uh, Arizona Wildcat volleyball, but uh they're they're not uh they're not doing well enough I think to uh they they're not as exciting enough to really kind of throw in there. So, I'm always I'm always yeah. looking for opportunities to give Dave Rubio a shout out, but maybe uh yeah. maybe we'll do that on on another week, but uh, I think we Sounds I think good. we covered the bases, the end zones and the and the hoops pretty well. Yeah. You know, one shout out I would love to give to Dave Rubio is that guy started in 1993, I believe, at the University of Arizona. He's done nothing but have a respectable competitive program 
and take care of the women in that program. And he's just a great guy, a great character guy person. And I oh, always yeah. wish him success and hope that, that he can get it. Because I oh, think yeah. you always want to uh, have your kid go and play for a coach like Dave Rubio. Oh, absolutely. And and um, what's interesting is his his first year I was I was covering uh, women's volleyball for the Arizona Daily Star. So I had a couple years of interacting with him as a reporter and then a few years interacting with him as a colleague at the athletics department. And he just, uh, he's just, you know, year in, year out, he just quietly just does a great job of not only developing great teams, but, you know, really great young women who go on and do, do fantastic things. And uh, I, I just ran into uh, Arizona track coach Fred Harvey the other day at, at McHale and hadn't seen him in years and he's another class guy, and you know I realize that there's been some some bad publicity for the track and field team because of you know one bad apple that that they had in there. But but Coach Harvey is you know is a class guy and another one of those guys who just brings out and and develops you know great people along with Mike Candrea, the U of A softball coach. So I'll just get yeah. three of my favorites in there right away. <laughs> awesome and well deserved for all three. Well, to wrap up the Desert League, Episode 6, just remember you can leave a recorded message for us. We will answer all comments and questions. Uh, Leave it for us. Just download the Anchor app. Go to the iTunes or the uh, Android store. Download the free Anchor app. Look for Desert League. Record a question for us. We'll answer it just like we answered Bryce's question today. And uh, in the meantime, hope that everybody – has an outstanding week. Go D-backs and bear down. Right back at you from the southern uh, from the southern uh, chapter here. All right, peace out. <laughs> bear down. <laughs>